1: Good morning Liberty.
0: Well, what is up, all of our Liberty loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and today I've got a very special guest. I'm joined by Mr. Pete Zaborski, who is joining us. Uh, from on the other side of the world right now, it's, it's PM for him right now. This is Good Morning Liberty, and he's in the afternoon at the moment. It's so cool that we're able to do this. But anyway, he's the founder of Retalk, which we'll be talking about. It's a really cool social media conversation blog type app that's uh, really heavily, heavily on the free speech side of things. And then I also want to ask about this other project, ProPrivacy.com, because our people are going to be really excited about that. Pete, how are you doing today?
1: Good, thanks. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, we were glad that you are able to uh, get the time to talk to everyone, talk to all the listeners, and why don't you get everyone started by telling telling everyone about Retalk, what that is, and then we'll go into some of your personal backstory as well.
1: Awesome. Yeah, Retalk is a is a new social network or or discussion board that I started for for everyone who's frustrated with Silicon Valley big tech companies and really i I think there's two big issues with social media one of them is is obviously the censorship one which uh which we're all talking about and the other big issue i think is how how social media rewards really Usually hostile, short-form, quick conversation, um, and I think with the format of Retalk, we're trying to create the solution for both of those. Um, so on the one hand, um, move away from the type of censorship that happens on current platforms, and also encourage um, slightly more in-depth, slightly more well-thought-out discussion. Um, so, so those are the two main goals I think of of Retalk.
0: That's great. And uh, before we get into everything about that app and the website, what's your backstory? Tell everyone a little bit about yourself.
1: I was born in, in Hungary back when it was still um, Soviet Hungary, so we were still occupied by Russians. Uh, and then I lived there for a while. I also lived in the UK for uh, 15 years. That's that's what you can probably tell from the accent. Uh, and... And I've I've been an entrepreneur for 15 years or so. Um, I've always been in a, a sort of tech entrepreneur, and I, I think what I've always been very concerned about issues like privacy and like uh, censorship. But but for me, seeing the parallels in what's happening in in big tech and with the whole big woke movement, uh, seeing the parallels to to my childhood and the stories I heard from my parents and grandparents, I I really felt like I I have to. Do something about that in a in a way that I I can, and I thought I I I, I'm a tech entrepreneur and I can build a platform like this, and uh, that's where the kind of the motivation came from. And yeah, it's, it's been a year and we've been building Retalk, and yeah, I'm trying to solve a big problem I think, which is out there now with with what's happening in big tech.
0: Yeah, any other options that we can get, we are happy to get them for sure. And it's it's really cool that someone is taking it upon themselves to solve these problems. Um, I wanted to know just how you would describe your political views overall, and if you've always had those views or if they've changed over time.
1: Okay. I think... For me, I, I would summarize them as, as sort of quite classically liberal. Um, but I, I, lately, when I've said that, some people have sort of thought, oh, oh, my God, liberal, really? Um, so I, I think I mean more libertarian. So I just think we should let everyone be free as long as you're not harming anyone else. Just just live your life the way you want to live it. And that's what I th- those are the type of types of people I think who I'd, I'd really like to build Retalk for as people who believe in, in those same values. Um, I, I think maybe I'm not the, I'm not like a very, very, uh, extreme libertarian, um, but somewhere between sort of being a, a conservative and a libertarian, somewhere between that, I think I, I have quite, I, I'm still quite patriotic, I think. And I, I believe in family values, things like that. Um, so maybe that doesn't make me very, very libertarian, but still quite libertarian.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, as long as you don't want to force your values and beliefs on other people, then you're still pretty libertarian. Were your views, would you say they were affected by the stories that you were told by family members uh, from Hungary or anything like that?
1: I think for me, it's, it's about um, maybe we can talk about uh, my other venture that I've got pro privacy. Uh, For me, it's, it's, I always have a big issue when some big authority or big company or big anything tries to force their um values or rules or whatever on on someone else um so i am I'm, I'm always uh trying to yeah stand up to, to to big entities that are trying to control things that are more authoritarian um, and that's why my previous venture was about protecting people's privacy and teaching people how to protect their privacy. Um, because uh, a couple of years ago, I think that was the big issue that big tech was just harvesting everyone's data. And it didn't feel like as an individual, you could really control that. Um, so I wanted to help people do that. Um, and now I, I think the issue has moved into censorship being uh, the, the primary big issue. And that's where I see these big authoritarian entities trying to control everything. Um, and for me, I, I I don't want to be controlled. I, I want to be free.
0: So we, uh, we hear a lot of talk from the government here, at least in the U.S., talking about regulation over big tech and over these social media platforms. There's this Section 230 they talk about a lot. Do you think... There's any place for the government in regulation here, or is this just something that the market is going to be able to solve?
1: Yeah, I'm very much in favor of the market solving it. I, I think for a lot of people on on maybe let's say our side or, or who have similar views to me, uh, we it seems like a really urgent problem that you know you can't use Facebook for what you want to use it for, you can't use Twitter. And it feels like there's there isn't another solution. But I think just because there is another solution doesn't mean there won't be one in the future. And it's always very, very dangerous to 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 kind of cry out to government to solve problems. And what what I'm seeing is there's there's obviously a market for alternatives to Twitter and Facebook. Um, and eventually the market will will solve these issues. And you've seen that with Parler, you you've seen it with Gab and now getter and, and retalk as well. So I think it's it's more um the if you're frustrated with with uh, tech companies right now, you just need to be a little bit patient and just wait for the market to kind of catch up. And 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 of course, these these platforms like Facebook and Twitter are they're very very well built. They've also got these massive network effects that all your friends are on there, so it's very very hard to leave. And you obviously want to post to your friends or your followers. But um, and 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 those, I think that's the hardest part to to really um compete with Facebook and Twitter on. But I think it's only a matter of time. And I I just think it's better to be patient than to start to um, want to get government to get involved because you never know what consequences government intervention is going to have.
0: So are there any examples you know you just touched on something that we try to get across to people a lot which is that the free market does solve a lot of problems and you said something uh i think to the effect of just because there isn't a solution or an alternative right now doesn't mean that there isn't going to be one in the future and that's something that people on the left and the right i feel like have a hard time even if people on the right or even libertarians sometimes they will say that the free market will solve problems. If it doesn't currently exist, they think there needs to be a government solution. How do we do you got the do you have any fresh ideas on how to get that message across to people? We've got clear examples of the market solving problems. Why do people think this is one that they're just not going to be able to solve?
1: It does it does seem like the the current companies are are very, very powerful and I think people don't They've lost a bit of hope about whether there will be a solution, just because they're so dominant. And and on on the other side of things, there's also so much of the the tech infrastructure is is run by the same companies as well, like AWS or like Stripe for payments, things like that. So it it it's definitely seems like I think over the last 20 years, the 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 tech landscape has has very much gotten into the hands of of we can call them sort of left-wingers or, or woke people mm-hmm. and you know if, it, if it's taken 20 years for them to build it it's it's not going to be instantly fixed um, but where when there's a market need i think there's always going to be a market solution um, but but yeah maybe not straight away um, Have you- so maybe just keep that in mind that it's, it's taken a long time to build so it's, it it'll take a bit of time to correct as well
0: you've mentioned the word woke uh, a few times do you see a parallel between that and say in history the rise of communism fascism authoritarianism i know it seems extreme to draw these parallels sometimes but are we heading back in that same direction you think
1: let me tell you a story which i think will will illustrate this very well uh my my grandmother was um she was one of the best students in her class uh, back in school. Um, she was what you'd call like a straight A student. Uh, she she wanted to become a doctor. And when she got to apply to university to, to become a doctor and to study there, um, she was basically denied because her dad was an intellectual. He was a chemist. He was also anti-communist. And she didn't get to become a doctor and she had to be... Uh, she. she I think she became a secretary instead um, for for almost her whole life. So on the one hand, the best qualified person didn't become a doctor. I mean, I I think you probably, when you want a doctor, you want the best qualified person to be treating you. And on the other hand, you have someone who's ambitious, who's clever, who wants to get somewhere in life. And you say, no, you can't do that because your parent um, disagreed with the political system that they're in. Um, I think. For me, what's what's really scary is I see the English-speaking world going in that same direction, and and it's 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 insane, really. I can't believe that the 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 countries that invented liberty, that invented even you could almost say de- democracy, um, are going in a direction where 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 this type of story is is becoming more and more common. I think in the U.S. as well and in the U.K. And to me, who's who's heard these stories from his grandparents, it's it's ridiculous, and I. I think that's where my motivation comes from to do something about this because it's it's it's, yeah, to me it's it's terrifying,
0: yeah, I would definitely agree that when it comes to having a doctor, you would want the most qualified person, not the person who is the most well-connected or the member of the mm-hmm. right group. And that also comes to farmers and whoever else uh, are doing really important jobs in society, which is pretty much anyone who's doing something productive that other people value. Um, I wanted to touch on, so we did a speech about privacy not too long ago, and we talked about how your ability to have privacy, and then we tied that in with free speech, that that was a way to actually stop the rise of authoritarianism, because if you are able to retain that full privacy, uh, they're not not able to control you quite as well. Is that some of the motivation behind pro-privacy?
1: Yeah, I... uh, I think pr- pr- for privacy is, is extremely important for, for everyone because you when you've got privacy, that's when you can um I guess bring out um, you, you need privacy to experiment, you need privacy to um to, to be like your childlike self. Um so on, on maybe like a psychological level. Um, and also you need you need really privacy to experiment. I think yeah, that that's probably the best way to 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 say it because if you if you're always worried about making a mistake or if you're always worried about upsetting someone and because you don't have privacy, you feel like someone's always watching you and you're always accountable, then you're just not gonna be willing to to experiment. And that as as human beings, I think we we need to experiment to develop and to and as, as a society, we need to experiment to develop. And when you take away privacy and then you perhaps add some censorship on top of that, what you're really doing is is saying to people, look, you you can't experiment. You can't can't truly be yourself. You always have to control yourself. And when you think of authoritarian regimes or kind of what you've seen in films in terms of people who live in authoritarian regimes, it's always about, you can see that people are always controlling themselves. They're always worried about what What's going to happen to them based on what they've done or what they've said um, and 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 for me yeah make, making sure that people at least have some privacy and feel like they can control what data is harvested from them is a big step towards um giving people a bit more freedom to to, to be themselves
0: so does that can you help that by using things like vpns i don't really know a lot about all of this you know i i I guess i could use a vpn i guess i could take all these apps off my phone i'm not really sure what it is like what kind of things can i do to make sure i have a little bit of privacy
1: yeah i I, you you it's not really about one tool unfortunately um but you know maybe someone could make make one tool to, to do it all um but it's it's mostly a combination of yes a VPN an ad block of making sure every, or most of what you're doing is encrypted and if you're backing anything up to the cloud then that's encrypted as well. Um, so on on pro privacy we we look at multiple tools and what we normally say is if if you if you're just your everyday person probably using a VPN using an ad block it, it probably means that. of the data that you're generating will be kept private and then if you want to go above 90% then you need to add more and more tools on top of that to to protect yourself um so it's it takes a bit of work um obviously because that's how they get you to to surrender everything and and your life might be slightly more uncomfortable if if you try and stay private but um i think it's well i think everyone inherently feels that you you do want some privacy so i think it's worth it
0: there's a weird situation now where there is there is a bit of a value proposition because when I use Facebook on my phone or I, I use any of these apps or I, I allow them my data for ads or anything, you you can receive some value from that. Like it's uh, maybe a more pleasurable experience on the app. Maybe I get maybe I get ads that are more tailored uh, to me. But you're also there's a trade-off there when you're giving away all of that privacy as as well and and once again i just want to make sure is there any room for the government to come in over these companies and enforce any type of privacy or we're just going to get the free market to solve all this
1: i think the gdpr in the eu is a is a really interesting case study of of uh of what happens and i i I do have to give some credit to the eu i think it's it's turned the conversation around a little bit because what gdpr did is say Data belongs to you, and you're the one who you have to give permission to to surrender that data. That's fundamentally what's what's kind of behind the law, and and I must admit, in that case, they they've kind of got something right. Um, on the other side of things, uh, the price of that is having to accept cookies on every single website, which is <laughs> which is a bit ridiculous. Um, so I think it was good that 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 kind of turned the conversation around a little bit, um, and. And, and I'm, I, I do struggle to come up with a scenario where this um, would have quickly, the market would have quickly um, you know, created the solution for this. Um, I think for me, the, the targeted the advertising thing is, is a really interesting question because, um, because fundamentally, you do actually. Uh, targeted advertising in a way is actually better for you because you might see products which are a lot more interesting and and you you know you might not be interested in the latest detergent but you are interested in the latest gadget and and facebook knows which one you might be interested in um i think what's i think for me the big issue is that if if facebook was doing that based on what you've done on on facebook and you actually know that everything you're doing is on facebook is being used to target ads okay then you can decide how much you know how much you want to use facebook and how much data you want to surrender but the issue is that these tech companies have just spread their tentacles across everything and using all sorts of weird methods they can track you across the whole internet and they can profile you on on all sorts of things that you're not even aware of and i think that's where that's that's the big problem because in a way that's taking away the personal choice of people because you don't know at what point facebook is tracking you Um, So I think if it was, it was more, if it was more upfront and it was more about, um, you know, if I know that Facebook is only using data when I'm using Facebook, that's fine. But, um, but that's, that's not what happened in the last couple of years, I think.
0: So I want to, I've got a few uh, questions, things that I wanted to know about Retalk and uh, I'll make sure we go back over those. I wanted to know a little bit about, uh, you know, Hungary and how the political divide is there you know you've talked about wokeism a couple times is that something that you're seeing a large growth of there Uh, here
1: here many i think generally as a society we're much more immune to it um because of our history our, our history is much more about getting invaded by foreign powers and having to survive um and and that creates um it just creates a different attitude towards your history and towards your culture. And you want to protect your culture and there's, there's nothing to be ashamed of in terms of protecting your culture. Um, so it's, so the whole woke movement, I think is finding it much more difficult to, to, to create, to get a foothold into the, into the Eastern European market. Um, and, and I think as a result of that, what I see is, uh, woke, W- wokeism uses a lot of guilt to to get people to do what they want uh, they seem to make people feel really guilty about all sorts of things to to achieve what they want and that guilt doesn't really translate into 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 things that happen here in Eastern Europe um but I mean it, it's interesting like it, it depends on the context as well. So something that's been highlighted to me by a friend is it's, if you look on LinkedIn, for example, it seems like everyone's very, very woke there, even on Hungary, because for some reason, when you have multinational companies coming in and, and imposing their woke values on people, I guess you don't really have a choice because you have to go along with it. Um, so on LinkedIn, everyone in Hungary is quite woke. Um, but I think in outside of the, of work or outside of international companies um there, there's there's much less wokeness um and yeah and and in terms of our leadership as well i think uh, our, our prime minister Viktor orban is, is is one of the primary thorns of of uh, in, in the side of of the woke movement internationally um he he definitely seems to be standing up to it um so so he's he's definitely fighting against the 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 woke movement
0: Um, speaking of fighting, I just wanted to get some of your, uh, some of your take on some recent events that have been occurring. I don't know if you heard over there, but from what I heard, Russia has invaded Ukraine and that also happens to, uh, border Hungary. What is the, uh, what's the general consensus around there? Could you just speak for everyone in the country right now and tell me what everyone thinks about that?
1: Well, we. We've had 30 years of freedom without Russians in Hungary, so the, the the first response of everyone is is to to be quite worried about whether those times are going to come back. Um, I, I think we're we're in a better position, and we're in NATO and we're in the EU, so that that gives us a bit of security. But I think the the first response is just this horror of thinking, "Oh my God, people in Ukraine in 2022 are actually experiencing." all the stories we've heard from our parents from our grandparents and it's 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 completely insane um so everyone's i think everyone's very motivated to help uh people uh, help the refugees arriving from ukraine um and i i mean i i hope that this thing gets resolved without it spreading anywhere else and i think almost everyone i think is is really really praying for the fact that this isn't going to get worse and it's not going to escalate and and nothing's going to happen that's going to escalate the situation. Um, and and hopefully Ukrainians can actually defend their country, which I, I think w- would be a great result.
0: Folks, every day on the show, you hear us interacting with our friends in the private Discord group. We've got a new way for you to join, and that's by going to joingml.com or clicking the link in the show description. You can join for as little as six bucks a month pay for a year if you want a 15% discount, pay more if you want to show that you actually care about the future or get a lifetime membership to obtain the coveted real libertarian label in the private group. We're able to do this show every day of the week when we want with the support of our sponsors and with the help of people like you who want to do your part to get the message of limited government and individual liberty out to the masses. The link opens up to our private Discord server. If you don't know, Discord is a very popular free app with over 200 million users. So if you don't have an account that takes 10 seconds to make one, then you can pay using a credit card or PayPal to watch our show live every day. Don't wait for other people to take action. That's how we got here in the first place. So go to joingml.com. That's join the letter G and then M and then L, because this is Good Morning Liberty dot com or click the link in the description now back to the show yeah i would definitely like to see that as the result i'm uh, unfortunately worried that it won't be the re- result what do you think the i mean do you, you know I, I don't know if this is your specialty or anything but i just want to get your thoughts on it what do you think the sort of end game is right now just to i guess make ukraine part of part of Russia, but are they going to be isolated from the rest of the world? And you're going to have a, a hostile superpower right there at the border again. I mean, what's the, what do you think the end goal is here?
1: I think before the war launched, the, the end goal was probably to neutralize the Ukrainian government and, and to annex the, the, those parts in the East, which were, which were quite Russian already, I think from what i've read the the war isn't going that well for putin so i think he's probably hopefully starting to give up on on toppling the ukrainian government and because i think that's going to be quite difficult for him and and then now they're sort of saying okay well if if um if ukraine commits to not joining nato and we get those um two areas in the east then, then then that's what we want so so i hope that Putin's overestimated his abilities and and he's going to settle for just annexing those areas um what I don't know is if at at this with, with the sort of patriotism and with the energy that Ukrainians now have I don't know if they'd be willing to do that now so um so I guess the the future will tell but um yeah I just I I hope that we that it, that it gets settled with a minimum amount of, of uh, casualties and destruction. Cause it's, it, it it's crazy. Cause nothing that, that's happened in my lifetime. And I can't believe like people in Ukraine, they've been building their lives for, for 30 years and then it gets bombed in two weeks. It's, it's not an experience we're very, very used to, but it's, it's, it's really sad.
0: Yeah. um I, I was wanting to know one more thing, which is, so as a libertarian here in the U S we've been pretty disgusted overall by the U S foreign policy. We've got a pretty far reaching, expansive foreign policy. We're in a lot of other people's business. And I was wondering if you had any insight into how that is viewed from the other side of the world, uh, whether or not, you know, from our side, what people that are behind this to see, well, we're spreading freedom and democracy and helping people and saving people around the world. Do, does it look different from your viewpoint?
1: Well, I think it probably would have given you a different answer three weeks ago. Um, so, uh, I don't think there's been too much uh, judgment in in uh, from well from the people that I know and the people I speak to. I think you know the US did some maybe some silly things in in Iraq and Afghanistan and places like that, and then you found out that it was based on lies. And obviously, I I can absolutely understand all the distrust in terms of. no no one trusts the media anymore especially after covid that 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 made it even worse um so it's 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 really that's a really difficult situation to be in and and then you have russia doing this and to me it feels a bit like um the 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 crying wolf story and with with iraq and afghanistan people have um they're very very disappointed in in the us power and and the us government and but, but then now it seems to me like there is actually a big threat now or or a situation that needs to be handled. And I just really hope that it's not going to be that situation where you cried wolf many times and then when there's actually a problem, then then people refuse to to help. But I, to be honest, I don't think so. I mean, NATO is fairly... Um, uh, it seems like NATO's got its act together at least in the last two weeks. So I really hope that that continues. And I, I don't think one thing that's really impressed me about the west generally in these last two weeks is is how much um people have come together and how much governments have come together to to support ukraine i i wasn't expecting that i thought that kind of the west's self belief and motivation was was nowhere and it was on the floor and 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 that's probably what putin wanted to exploit but i guess the war kind of wakes people up
0: yeah i really i i hope that some of the unity that's happened sticks around. I I, I don't yep. exactly know how I feel about the policies that we're going to go for, of course, when it comes to natural resources. I'm sure you're dealing with the same things over there, but our price at the gas pump yep. has has just gone nuts over the last few weeks and really over the over the last year, but definitely over the last few weeks. And we're, you know, we're we're feeling it pretty tough over here you seeing the same kind of inflation over there
1: yeah yeah it's 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 pretty crazy I think we've we've definitely got bad times ahead but I I'm I'm hoping that just like this war brought people together maybe maybe these bad times will kind of wake a lot of people up not not in a woke way but <laughs> <laughs> but actually bring, bring people together and and uh yeah create the slightly uh better world
0: <laughs> yeah just the right the right kind of woke not not that yeah <laughs> that kind of woke um so back to retalk here for a minute before we wrap it up i wanted to know is uh, i had a few questions is anything censored on retalk at all
1: yeah uh, and I'm, I'm quite upfront about this that i'm i'm trying to i'm trying to create a platform for people who are somewhere between the the very the very extreme libertarians, or extreme, or even extremist right or left wingers, and and the center. So, um, for me, I, I think, for example, racism is like a good example. I think there's a lot of people who are in the center or center right or center left who are turned off by by racism in general or racist conversation. Now, if you and 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 for me, these are these. You can always think about think about this as as markets and. I'm sure you've heard of Gab, and and you know that um, they're they're completely free speech and they don't really censor anything, and and that's great. And I'm glad that there's a platform like that. For me, I'm trying to build a platform for that that says that it's about civil discussion. But I think for civil discussion, you do need to moderate things. Um, but having said that, we hardly ever moderate because it's not. I, I'm I'm actually surprised since we launched that it's not been very necessary to moderate because most people are completely normal and, and act completely normal um but i think if if there is very extremist content then i'm quite upfront that, that we do moderate that um but we're we're a long long way from the woke moderation that, that facebook and and twitter do and and i think my values are reflected in Retalk and the way that we moderate
0: yeah i think it's okay to to moderate some i mean even in our private groups we have i've got a few keywords that are not gonna to allow to, uh, to show up in some of the groups. There's also something that we see from the big tech platforms that if you talk about a certain topic, they're just gonna take down your priority in the algorithms and it's not gonna be seen by as many people. Is that something that happens at Retalk or is it just a clear content moderation? You say uh, an, an obvious, obvious, terrible word that shouldn't be said, that's addressed uh, or is it deprioritizing people? In an algorithm,
1: no, it's it's we we kind of notify people who who have been moderated, and it's it's upfront. There's, I think, if if it, if uh our, our ranking algorithms are based on people voting on posts, up you can upvote and down downvote posts, um, and the, the ranking happens um, based on that. So it's it's very community driven, and yeah, we 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 don't deprioritize certain topics. And and there's plenty of things that said on retalk that I disagree with, but I don't deprioritize them.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was on there uh, over the last couple of days. And I saw, you know, a couple of people on there that I find objectionable. And you know what, I just didn't follow them. And, yep. <laughs> and that's it. Problem solved for me right there. Yep. I just didn't follow them. I don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, how how valuable do you think it is to be able to have a more long form conversation than, say, the 280 characters that we're allowed to have on Twitter? Do you think we're suffering from a lot more division because of the way that we talk to each other on a platform like Twitter?
1: Yeah, I'm really amazed at the, the Twitter effect that it's I, I'm even I get Almost addicted to it, and I want to go back and I want to read more. And it's just so quick and quick fire. And I think it hijacks the brain in some way. Um, what I hope is that eventually, once I think a lot of, with a lot of things, we we first when we experience something, especially something addictive, we 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 go full on and we we get addicted and we get into it. Um, but then eventually, when we realise that it's not that good for us, we start to look for alternatives. And that's where i hope kind of retalk can come in because i i think it's much healthier to have long form and and well thought out discussion it's just that it, it it takes a bit more energy and it's perhaps slightly less um uh yeah ad- addictive um so so i hope that there will be like multiple phases of, of social media and i think we're in the first phase where it's still super addictive and we're still really really used to this quick fire short form discussion but I, but eventually people will look for alternatives where where there's better discussion and that that's where I hope retalk can come in
0: yeah and uh, you know what do you recommend for me going on there so just you know it's a retalk so everyone listening it's a, I would say most similar to something like reddit uh, would be the yeah. the overall setup of it I never figured out how to use Reddit. I'll just be completely honest with you. I, I don't know why such a simple idea and platform was so difficult for me to figure out how to use. Um, how would you suggest I go on there and get the best experience? Like following a bunch of people? Are there certain topics or categories that you follow? Or how, how does this whole thing work?
1: I think you, you need to think about it more as as Facebook groups rather than um, Twitter where you follow people. So you, you follow, um, topics of interest like gardening or politics or funny memes or whatever. Um, so when you sign up, we offer um, all the, all the op- lots of recommended communities based on certain topics. So it's best if you if you follow topics that you're interested in, and and then if you over time as you look at the news feed and you see topics that you're interested in, you can always subscribe to to, to more interesting. Uh, we call them communities based on based on what what the discussions are um i i think what, what what we we definitely have more politics than than not politics on the platform probably because um that's what that's what's quite difficult to discuss on on big tech platforms. Um, but I really enjoy some of the non-political communities. I think one of the best ones that's, that's grown completely organically is, is discussing alcoholic beverages. Hmm. Um, and people just post pictures of their favorite cocktails. Uh, I think that's, that's a pretty good community.
0: Unfortunately, I've been sober for a few years. So ah, sorry. I'm going <laughs> to have to have a non-alcoholic yeah. beverage uh, content. Yeah. Or maybe I can look through it and that'll help you know, whatever, I, I don't know. Yeah, but you're right. A lot of people moving over because of politics. It's not exactly like there's a lot of censorship in the gardening community on Facebook. So there's there's not yeah. <laughs> as much of a market need for that, but it was really cool. There's tons of different topics on there. Um, lastly, I wanted to get just any advice for any business owners out there, people that have a new idea, anyone who's struggling right now, the economy's getting tough for a lot of people. Um, you've been able to create uh, this this really cool app and it looks like it's going really well so I'd love to get some
1: advice I, I think for me it's when I started out when I was I was I started my I created my first website which was an online game when I was 15 and it's been almost 20 years and I think initially for me it was it was all about kind of hustling and wanting, wanting to make money and, and get rich and that that sort of thing. And then now as, as time has progressed, it's become more about doing something that's that's really important, that's meaningful. Um and and I think it's it's much, much better. I, I find it's a lot easier to work on something when when you're truly passionate about it than than when it's for money or or some other reason. Um so with with retalk, I think that's a big big thing for me. Is that it's it's every, everything fits into place because I'm really really passionate about the actual mission of the business, um, and then the other side of it is I I think you need to really rationally step back and think about what you what your abilities actually are and what you can actually achieve with your abilities, um, and I. With Retalk, yeah, I'm a tech entrepreneur. So I thought, yes, I, I can build a platform like this and I've got a bit of money saved up from previous ventures so I could use that to invest in the business. But it's really, really important that you take a step back and think, look, with, with my abilities, this is what I can do and this is what I'm passionate about. And then try and find something in the middle which, which fits into both of those because I think that's where you have the most chance of success.
0: When you're doing something that you're really passionate about, do you feel like you're working Really hard every day because you always hear, you know, if you're doing what you love, what you love, you don't ever work a day in your life. Do you get that feeling that you're not actually working? That you're doing something that you enjoy every day.
1: Well, I, I st- it still feels like working, but you <laughs> you you enjoy doing it, and I, I I feel compelled to do it. So it's like even if it's work, I feel like look, it needs to get done because it's really important that I that I make Retalk a success. So. Um, and I think that's that's where the the passion and the mission comes in is that even if something's hard to do, then you just feel compelled to do it because it's really important and and that's why you get through it and and hopefully it becomes a success
0: all right, Pete. Thank you so much for your time today. I'm going to put the links to everything in the show notes. Everyone can go find us on Retalk. We are on there. I did put out our first post uh, yesterday or this morning. So go find that and go look at all the other great things on the app. Um, Pete, once again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much.